Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Running during pregnancy and after babies. Believe it or not, this has been a highly requested podcast. For those of you who follow the Run for PRs account on Instagram, you may know that five different Run for PRs coaches were due with babies between August of 2020 and April of 2021. Five Run for PRs babies in less than eight months. It has been a Run for PRs baby boom lately, so we decided to do a podcast on the topic of running during pregnancy and postpartum because many people have watched us training from afar and are curious about some of the topics that are involved. The topic of training during and after pregnancy is more specific and a little bit different than our past episodes. If you have no interest in hearing about running in relationship to pregnancy, motherhood, postpartum, and breastfeeding, it might be a good time to skip this episode. We will be sharing about our own personal experiences with these topics. Each pregnancy and each person is so different. When we work with postpartum or pregnant athletes, it's very important that we make things individualized to you. Today, we will be just talking about our own personal experiences. I am Coach Victoria, and I am a mom of two kids. I currently have a four-month-old and a three-year-old. I ran 1,700 miles during my first pregnancy and 1,500 miles during my second pregnancy, which ends up being about 40 miles per week for the whole 40 weeks of pregnancy. Um, I also ran the Boston Marathon at five months postpartum with my first, and a lot of my current PRs were set within the first year postpartum with my first child. My experiences are just my own, and they are not always the norm for running with pregnancy and postpartum. I have brought on another coach to discuss our different experiences. Coach Bree is almost six months postpartum with her first baby, and she ran for most of her pregnancy and is now currently training for her first marathon, and she is crushing it. Coach Bree has been coaching for over six years, and prior to that, she was a personal trainer. So she is very experienced in the field of human kinesiology, and so I'm just really excited to chat with her about this topic. So we will just dive right in. Right before you get pregnant, there's that whole like pre-pregnancy period where you're starting to think about starting a family. And sometimes there's questions that come up in that whole trying to conceive um, topic. So I'm sure, Brie, you have worked with a lot of women over the years. 
And we all know that losing your period is not necessarily a good thing. And women should not be losing their period with physical exercise. Um, Can you explain why someone might lose their period? And if you have ever experienced this? Um, Yeah, so that is something that we can see, especially with a lot of the endurance athletes, um, if there is just a lot of um, intense exercise, not proper nutrition. Um, and so when the body doesn't have enough to fuel, it's going to pull from, um, those more essential systems. And so that's where you can start to see, um, the loss of the period. And so that's not, that's nothing you want to happen. Um, and I've trained at different intensities, um, throughout, I think my 20 years of running now. Um, and I've never been to a point where, I have lost my cycle. Um, And so if that is, that is a red flag. So if you're seeing that, um, it's just something to be aware of, um, that there's just, your body's not either fueling enough or um, you're overdoing it. And so that is something to be concerned about. Um, It's normal to have, you should have your cycle. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think that, A lot of women are kind of told, oh, back off training, or there's this whole idea that you should back off training when you're trying to get pregnant. But I love how you just came right out and said, hey, I've been running for 20 years, and I've never lost my period. And I have a very similar experience to you. I have trained at crazy high intensities, probably higher than I even should have. You know, if you look back at my training, I did some stupid things in my early 20s in terms of training, but I never lost my period. And so that is a really big red flag that your body is like starting to kind of shut down different systems. And, you know, the reproductive system is kind of one of the first to go like your body's like, Mm -hmm. hey, we're not in a safe environment. Um, There's threats going on. And so that's never a good thing. And so I think it's really important to kind of chat like, hey, we we never lost our periods. But if you are someone like I have a friend who, gosh, she didn't have her period for 16 years and she was 30 years old and she's like, I want to get pregnant. Um, And so that was a difficult road to go down. So I think for people who have that sort of situation, um, it might be wise to kind of chat with your doctor um, and figure out kind of what the options are and where to go from there. Did you ever have friends in college? Because I know you competed at a high level in college as an athlete um, with cross country and track. Did you ever have friends or teammates who lost their period? And how did that go about? Um, yeah, I, I did have um, some teammates did lose their period um, when they were training in intense levels. And usually there was something else going on. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. if that's kind of the maybe not enough nu- um, nutrition, enough fuel um, or stress, that can be a part of it too. Stress does play a lot in your whole body. Um, and that was something I had a good friend who had to address that. Um, and, and she's had kids since, but I know that was a concern of hers and she had to work through backing off intensity to make sure that her cycle came back normal. Yeah. And everyone's just so different. So it's like you and someone else might be training at the exact same intensity, but for whatever reason, maybe they're losing their period for, um, a nutritional reason like maybe they're under fueling or like you said there's just other life stress that is going on and everyone's body is so different Mm -hmm. in response to training differently so I think you know step one make sure you're getting that healthy cycle and then that's when we can kind of move into the whole topic of pregnancy and trying to conceive Mm -hmm. so when you were trying to conceive um because you have the one six month old 
how did you think that you would get pregnant right away? Or what was kind of your initial thought process when you started to think about having kids? Yeah, so that was kind of that was, um, you know, you have this plan of like, okay, at this time, you know, we're gonna start trying to have kids, it'll probably happen, you know, within a couple months, and you think, oh, this is all gonna work out, like I imagine it to. Um, and so I, um, had trained for a bigger race and then we had decided okay like we're gonna start trying for kids um and of course I did that and then it didn't happen you know a month goes by four months go by eight months go by and then you start to worry like okay is something like wrong what's going on so after that race and I had cut my mileage down quite a bit thinking like well you know maybe I'm training too much like I should do a little bit less and so I did um, take my intensity down and I'd almost go like I'd wait you know to see if I was pregnant and then I'd find out I wasn't and then I would do like this hard workout out of frustration (laughs) um, and like go through this whole cycle because each time like a month goes by I think just like kind of wears on you a little bit and you start to worry Mm -hmm. more Um, and so then in the fall I decided you know what I'm I've always wanted to do a marathon I've I've been through quite a bit of injury with my back and so I was like but you know what things are going well I'm just I'm gonna do a marathon to get my mind off of it basically is kind of why I signed up (laughs) and so I started marathon training and about um three months into it and we were still trying but I just kind of needed something else to focus on um I found out I was pregnant and that was actually like after a couple of hard workouts because I remember going through like a 16 mile run and I was like what happened on that run like it's like I got run over like I did this a couple weeks ago and that's when I found out like a couple days after that I was pregnant so um anyways yeah I remember just like taking my mileage down thinking that was help but for me personally it actually was when I ramped my mileage up quite a bit and brought the intensity up and we found out we were pregnant so Wow. I love that story. It's so detailed. And I think a lot of people listening maybe be, are feeling good about what you're sharing because I do think sometimes like as the months go by, it's like, oh, uh, and it, it seems to be, at least for me, when we were trying, like it's all I thought about. Like it was always in the back of my mind. And I think sometimes like our body knows, you know, and it's like as mm-hmm. soon as we forget about it and let go. It's like, boom, that's when you get pregnant. And I've heard stories before of people who they're going through the adoption period or they're going through the adoption process because they're struggling with infertility. And then as soon as the adoption comes through, they get the baby, boom, they end up pregnant within a couple of months because it's like, as soon as they stop trying, I know that's not always the case, but it's kind of cool to hear stories like that. Um, But it's interesting that you were training at higher mileage when you got pregnant. So was the thought process more like it'll happen if it happens? Were you thinking that after the marathon, had you not get pregnant, that maybe you would go through like infertility treatment? Or is it something you talked to your doctor about? Well, so yeah, we were, I was training for Phoenix. And so yeah, I, I did run, I ended up going down to the 10k. So I ran a week before um, I hit second trimester um and so yeah basically at that point i guess um we were thinking like well we'll see what happens um not honestly just in my mind i was like in denial that it would happen just because it wasn't happening i'm ramping up the intensity so it's not gonna happen so then we'll try again more like 
after the marathon. I think I just stopped thinking about it or like paying attention to certain dates. Um, and then we would, you know, get more try again, you know, after the marathon. And then when we hit right around that year mark, it might be a conversation to have with the doctor. So that's what we were thinking, like get to the year mark um, and go from there. So, but we didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's super great to hear that, you know, you didn't have to do that. But I think it's really cool to hear your experience that it took several months, because I think for some people, um, you know, they're not used to hearing that, you know, people think, oh, you know, if you're young, healthy, like you'll get pregnant right away, or within a few months. But really, I think they say if you're under maybe it's under 30 or 35, I forget, it can take up to 12 months. And that after 12 months is when you should talk to your doctor. Is that what you've heard too? Yeah, I think it is. It's a, yeah, it could be 30 or 35. I thought it was th- under 30. It was up to a year and I'm under, well, I'm only under 30 for two more weeks, but <laughs> um, we were like, okay, we'll get to the year mark and then we can have a chat with the doctor. Um, yeah, I think I looked something up like that. So I was like, well, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Um, I think it took us, it was nine or 10 months. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. And that's super common. I know a lot of friends that it took several months or even up to a year to get pregnant. Other people, it's like they get pregnant on their first try. And it just totally depends. Um, Even from like person to person, like I've had two kids and the first was kind of almost like a surprise baby. So it's like, oh, it happened on the first try. And I thought, oh, I have no problem getting pregnant like the second time. And the second time, like it did take a couple of months to get pregnant. And so that was a little bit frustrating because like you go into it with this expectation and then um, it just things just have a different way of happening. So I guess the moral of the story when it comes to planning pregnancy is that you can't always plan it. And sometimes you just have to kind of roll with the punches. And I love how you signed up for a race to kind of get your mind off of things. And for me personally, I tried not to like plan my training around pregnancy. Um, Like if I had a big race scheduled, like I was, I signed up for Boston in September of 2019, even though we were trying to get pregnant with our second. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll run it pregnant. Maybe I won't run it at all. Like it's just kind of like whatever happens happens. And I can only make decisions based on like where I'm at right now and not like kind of hold out because when you live your life in that like that holding out phase of like, Oh, like maybe I'm going to get pregnant this month. It feels like your life is kind of on hold for such a long time. I don't know. Did you ever experience that? Yeah. I just felt like I would sign up for a race like last minute. And when it was, I, like I said, I stopped worrying about it is when it happened. And um, I just think that like waiting and that stress makes a difference. And I had a friend who they had tried for a long time and she finally left a stressful job. And it was shortly after that, that they finally got pregnant. Um, and just keeping in mind, like per kid too, your hormones change. So if it took you a long time on the first, it could be quick on the second or vice versa. You know, it could be a little bit longer if it was quick on the first, longer on the second. Um, just keep that in mind. Our bodies are always changing. So it's hard, you know, you kind of have to also live your life. Um, because if you're stressed and thinking too much, your body's going to feel that and it's going to, you know, change the way it works a little bit. So, um, you just kind of have to go with the flow, you know, your body. And like I said, I've been running for a long time, so it's not like I took something that I've never done and like suddenly introduced running. Like if I were like my doctor said, if you were just to shock your body and like stop running, like that's going to affect your body too. So, you know, just trying to do something that you're used to keep doing what your body's used to doing. 
Right. It's like if you make a drastic change, it's almost throwing your body off of an equilibrium. So for me, the first time I got pregnant, I was in the middle of marathon training. And this is something my body was like super used to. It was like, you know, I'm running really high mileage. I'm doing 5K races. And I think I had a similar experience to you where you said, oh, I was doing a 16 mile long run. I was like, what the heck happened? I did a 22 mile long run. And I was like, you know, I feel super off, like out of breath, out of shape. I don't know what it is. I was like, maybe I'm just overtraining, not sure. And then I did a 5K, like the next week, my period was a little late, but I was like, eh, like my period's late all the time. So that was kind of my first pregnancy experience. But I think because I was just so in the rhythm of what I was doing, my body was just kind of at that equilibrium place. And it was able to kind of do what it needed to do. Uh, But for people who like don't have their period or whatever, um, your equilibrium is probably already a little off. So those are things definitely to address. So I love this pre-pregnancy talk for sure. And I know we kind of started talking about um, that first couple of weeks of pregnancy here where you said like the 16 mile long run really felt hard. So we should just dive right into pregnancy as it is. So the first trimester kind of tell me a little bit about when you first found out you were pregnant and like how that first trimester kind of played out for you. Oh, first trimester. Um, oh my goodness. Like you see all these movies and stuff and like, Oh, people are feeling great. They're moving around. They're pregnant. And like, I got hit by a bus, like, and I don't like being sick, but like, I, I just, it was horrible. Um, it was like every day, I think from like week, it was like in week five until week 13, like I woke up car sick every day. Um, and so I really just made a goal to stay active because literally like moving. So I would go, it was in the winter. So I would go to the treadmill at the gym. Um, and I would just go like super slow, um, and just try to run because it was kind of the one time during the day I didn't feel sick was when I was actually running. So for me, this is what works. So I would just go, you know, I set literally set a goal for set going from marathon training, for me, it was going three times 30 minutes a week. Like, that's just what I could do because I was just getting hit so hard by the hormonal changes. Um, and then I actually did a lot more strength training just because the motion, I don't know, it's just different. Um, so I did three times 30 minutes a week of running and then about three days a week of total body strength training. Um, and my goal was just just to move um, because I knew my body was used to doing stuff. And so I just said, don't worry about like workouts. I took the pressure of, you know, not doing the Phoenix Marathon. I went down to the 10K um, and that just really, I think, gave me a goal too, especially every day when you feel sick for like two months it's good to have a goal because you're just thinking about how you're sick in the middle of winter uh so yeah just moving um that was my goal and my pace as well I I was surprised how fast it happened um because I was going from about 8 30 on my easy runs and then I suddenly 9 30 was like the new norm and that's just how it was because my heart rate was up a lot um and not that you mean your heart rate will rise a little bit but I know that I should still want to keep my easy runs under 155 and it would like spike up <laughs> instantly. So, um, yeah, I was just surprised how fast it changed. And then I just made some small goals. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that ke- takes people by surprise. Um, some people, I should say, some people are really lucky and don't have any symptoms, but I was more like you. I definitely had symptoms and it was almost like immediately I could tell something was either 
a like wrong with my body or like B, I was pregnant, right? Like I was like, what is going on? I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like paces that were not that hard yesterday are all of a sudden getting harder. Um, and you don't have like a big belly, you know, like you say, oh, I'm four five, six weeks pregnant. Why do I feel so pregnant? And it just, the hormones hit you like a ton of bricks, at least if you're one of us that get the and first some people get sickness. no symptoms. So <laughs> just a Right. I know. I cannot believe how some people don't get like the morning sickness or I had all day sickness or just the fatigue, but I definitely had it pretty bad. Um, More so with my second pregnancy, but a little bit with my first as well. And like you were saying, I mean, it was almost within the first week or two, I had to cut back mileage. Um, I had no motivation to do any sort of workout, no long runs. Um, and people who follow my training a lot on Strava or Instagram um, and who are really, like, religious about following what I do, and they're, they're like, I had a feeling that you were pregnant, even though I was still running, like, pretty consistently and, you know, regular mileage. It was just they could tell my paces were slower. They could tell I wasn't doing workouts and all those things. So um, it definitely can impact people in the first trimester, which I think was always – a little surprising because you think, oh, I'm only like six weeks pregnant. I have 40 weeks to go, right? Or like not 40, but you have to get to 40 weeks. So did you ever kind of feel intimidated by the first trimester? Like, wow, if I feel this sick right now, who am I going to feel in 20 weeks? Right? Yeah, I I think like mentally it was the toughest and, and physically. Because um, like once I got through the first trimester, I was like, okay, this is fine. Like I'm getting big the third trimester. I was like, but it's not like the first trimester. It's the whole pregnancy. I was so much more positive to every symptom because I'm like, I don't feel like that anymore. Um, So yeah, I think that just like helped my mindset to get through the rest of the pregnancy for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And especially with your first, you're like, am I just being a wimp or is it really this hard? I felt like I was really hard on myself the first time around, but like really it's that hard Mm -hmm. right and it is like the comparison especially just even more as a run coach like you feel like you should hold like I just do that where I hold myself to like where I should be like look what these people can do and it really was a good like reset for me to just like remember like where I'm at and not compare myself um, to other people's journeys because pregnancy and just running in general, but especially pregnancy is really different per person. And so you can't take, well, this person's doing this, so I should be able to do this. Um, You know, some people log tons of miles in their pregnancy or in the second trimester and other people are, you know, going to log, they're just going to log different miles. And so you just need to just look at where you are at, um, and listen to your body and you're, you know, creating a human, like that's a huge job for your body. And so I think it's just being aware of that and not trying to compare yourself, especially on social media and stuff. Everyone is just really different in how they handle it. That is so true. I love that you brought this up because the comparison game is so hard. And when you're sitting there on social media and you, you're wondering yourself, am I being normal? Like, am I doing enough this pregnancy? It's like only you can can know, right? Like everything is going to be based on how you're feeling and you have to be willing to make those judgment calls. And there's no one out there that has like an outline for this is how you're going to feel. This is how much you should do. Um, and I think for other events that we train for, like let's say we're training for a marathon, there's so many outlines you can get online and a lot of them, you know, fall within some realm of accuracy for what, 
what you're going for. But just because you were an elite runner, boom, you get pregnant. Maybe you're going to go from running 80 miles a week to running zero. And that's just what you decide to do. That's what feels right for your body um, versus there might be someone who is just, you know, runs the exact same throughout their entire pregnancy and there's everywhere in between. And so it's just really important to understand that just because like we have certain experiences doesn't mean, you know, anyone's going to have the experiences that we're having um, for sure. Yeah. I remember even um, at, like then- um, when we were at Phoenix, so instead of doing the marathon, I did the 10 K. I like went through this guilt of like, should I be running the half marathon? Like, you know, I'm only 12 weeks and there's, I had seen, I think people running one of the marathons when they were like 30 some weeks pregnant. And I was like, and I'm like struggling at, you know, 12 weeks and I'm only doing the 10 K and, I just, I think my husband reminded me, like, you're doing great. Like, you're running. Like, stop comparing yourself to these other women. Like, this is where your body's at. And so I just, yeah, I remember really getting hit hard thinking, yeah, just putting myself down and forgetting, like, how much my body was already doing um, and listening to where I'm at and what a gift it is just to be running, you know, pregnant at that point. So even though I wasn't that far along, it's still like, you're moving and you're really sick. Like, that's awesome. And, you know, you're not eating all that much food because that doesn't taste good or isn't going well. So just be glad that you're running. So just some different appreciation for being able to be out there um, and running. Yeah, I love that you shared that because I knew that you had done the 10K and I knew you were signed up for the marathon. And when I watched, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like she's doing the 10K. Like that's really unique. And she must really be listening to what like feels right for her. And she's still going out there and doing something. Um, and I know that they have a half there, but I thought it was really cool that you did the 10K. And I, I had no idea that like you were suffering maybe from a little guilt or feeling like, you know, you were struggling with picking the distance. Right. And I think that's so common that people would feel that sense of like, Oh, is this really enough? You know, downgrading to this. Like I definitely have had those feelings before, like through pregnancy, I'm like, am I doing enough? You know, like, is this going to be, and it's just, it's important to just understand that it's okay to like silence those voices and really recognize what you are doing. Like as a runner being in pregnancy or even being postpartum that, you're going to have to adjust goals and doing what feels right for you is super important. So I'm really glad you shared that. And, you know, training for a marathon, going to the 10 K that might sound like a a drastic change, but I think, wow, like the fact that you even still went there and the fact that you still did a race, that's, that's the coolest part for me. Um, But then another topic. So I know that you did the 10 K and you were about like 12 or 13 weeks or right around that second trimester mark. I know a lot of women in their first trimester or like before they feel the baby kick or like there's always these different benchmarks that you hit throughout pregnancy, like viability is at 24 weeks. And, you know, once the baby gets to like 30 weeks, it's like, you, you always kind of tick off these random benchmarks. And I know for a lot of women, they um, have this fear during the first trimester of um, like a loss or a miscarriage. And I personally thought, oh, you know, like that would never happen to me. And my first pregnancy is like I trained throughout my entire pregnancy, no problem, especially in the first trimester. Like I, I did a lot of training. Um, And then when I did get pregnant with my second pregnancy, um, I had an early miscarriage and I was like, wow, like this, it was really blindsiding for me. Like I was like, this came out of nowhere. Like I had no idea. Um, And it was kind of always one of those 
fears that you never thought was going to happen to you. Um, and then again, when I got pregnant after that loss, um, with now I have a four month old and that's my rainbow baby. I had this like kind of sense of fear a little bit when I was doing exercise, because I know back in like the fifties and stuff, it was really taboo for women to do exercise and like any sort of exercise or running was viewed as like really bad for women. And so I think there's still that like cultural taboo around exercising during pregnancy. My doctor was really clear, like, no, it's nothing you did. Like miscarriages happen to everyone. Right. And I think there is that like cultural stigma attached to running during pregnancy. So was that something that you ever were afraid for um, during your own pregnancy? Yeah, I do remember going because it did take us a while. Um, I just was like, well, it took a while. So now this could probably happen. And just kind of going through fear. I did. I know the rate goes down a lot at Mm -hmm. 12 weeks. Um, And so I did. I know it, yeah, it, it, I had a lot of like fear about that. And I think that would stress me out. So I also was like, okay, you don't need the extra stress. So if workouts are like, not really up for me mentally right now, which really, I just wasn't feeling great. I was like, then don't do them. And I can reintroduce them second trimester. And so for me, I just not that anyone needs to take them down. I was just like, well, I think I'm just going to focus on easy running right now. Um, and see where it takes me. But I definitely like said, my doctor reminded me like, don't just suddenly stop and like shock your body. But I had a lot of, I feel like questions, um, just with family or friends about, well, are you still running? Like, are you sure that's okay? And so you're like, well, I've been running for a long time. I'm a run coach. I'm a trainer. My doctor's on board. Like, trust me, I really want this baby. Like I'm trying to do the best. And for me, that's like, I'm not just going to suddenly stop doing everything I did. I mean, I'm going to make some modifications, but um, yeah, so getting some of that pressure of like, oh, is that, you know, okay, because some people are just like, you're running and you're pregnant, like, what are you doing? Are you sure that's safe? You know, and it's like, yes, I'm aware of it. Um, and so yeah, and having just those, those thoughts, you, it, it, you do get kind of some of that outside pressure, and you just need to know your body and talk with your doctor and uh, be okay. Because yeah, I mean, there's your own fear just as being, you know, newly pregnant. Well, like, what if, but um, you know, there's nothing wrong with exercise. Just listen, the main, the main thing, I mean, from a trainer perspective is like, what, what is your body used to? Don't necessarily introduce anything different right away. So if you've never been a runner, it's not the time to like suddenly start training for a marathon. Um, but you know, if you're out there walking, you're doing strength, like keep doing those things. You'll make modifications as you need to, as you hurt hit different milestones. Um, but just listen to your body and, um, it's good to stay active. Um, exercise is good for you. <laughs> yes, definitely. And luckily all of the OBGYN providers I've had, I've had like so many because I go to a clinic where it's like you rotate through different people. And even with both of my children, I had went to totally different, um, hospitals, but every OBGYN or midwife that I had was totally on board with exercise during pregnancy, um, as a part of, you know, a normal, healthy pregnancy. And, you know, I think that whole taboo, era of like the 1960s or whenever it was of women not exercising during pregnancy. Um, They've just done a lot of research and shown that there's a lot of very healthy outcomes that happen for both moms and the babies when the mom um, is able to stay active. And I think like you were saying, 
keeping with what you have been doing, right? So it's not introducing anything new. It's like almost keeping what you have been doing and doing maybe even a little less. So it's like I, I go from running 60 miles a week down to 40 miles a week. And so that's even a little less than what my body's doing. But, you know, if someone doesn't know me or know my running and they see, oh, my gosh, this pregnant woman is running 40 miles a week. That's so, you know, it's like people can make their own judgments, but really no one really knows you like you do or like your doctor um, would. And so that's super important. Definitely tagging your healthcare provider and making sure you have like a team of supportive people around you because there are always going to be those random comments from strangers or people on the internet or maybe family members that don't really understand. But as long as um, the people close to you and your healthcare providers are on board, that's definitely um a plus. And I think as you maybe get bigger, I don't know if you noticed this, but as you started to kind of get a belly, did people start to make more comments of like, oh, when are you going to stop running? Or maybe you got strange looks when you were running. Yeah, um, I definitely yeah, would get more comments or see me like strap my belt. Because I felt like the further I went, the more like armor I had to get on to go for a run and be like my calf sleeves and the, my belt and all this stuff um but yeah I definitely did get some more looks I typically because COVID had just kind of come out while I when I belly basically my belly came when COVID came um and so I was out <laughs> alone more by myself I wasn't at the gym anymore because the gyms had closed so my experience is a little bit different that way but um I did get definitely did get some looks and um luckily people didn't question me too much um luckily though one time I are we were in a temporary apartment we were next to a uh, retirement area and this older lady came out and she's like you go girl I'm so proud of you and I was like wow that meant <laughs> so much I was like kind of worried she might tell me like what are you doing or something but too it was just nice to like get some compliments but um yeah I did though from people that um knew me more would be like are you sure like you're still running like I mentioned this already but um people yeah. did wonder the more that um they saw my belly but like I said, my experience was different with COVID since I wasn't around people as much and I wasn't like at the gym. Um, I was doing workouts at home at that point. Yeah, totally. I mean, you were pregnant during like the peak of, you know, everything kind of going on and I think delivering in August. Yeah, people, everything was still going to shut down and not a lot of people were getting out. So it was probably nice to have that little seclusion. To yeah, thanks for the weather was like um, warmer up here. I mean, it was kind of nice too, though, in the winter because you're already hot. So then <laughs> running really pregnant in the summer is warm. But um, I would pick the more shaded, secluded trails for that reason too. Um, so just a little bit different. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, so second trimester for you was probably like your favorite trimester. I, yeah, I, I, I think I like the second trimester the best too. So at what point during your pregnancy, because you mentioned that you were doing, you know, the 30 minute runs, I know that you did some longer runs too. Like, didn't you do our virtual 10 K? How many weeks pregnant were you um, kind of when you started to really scale back and just decide, Hey, I might opt to to yeah, stop running. so actually it was right around 13 weeks. I do remember I did like feel way better. Um, and so I started running more regularly again. I started doing some long runs. When I say long runs, I mean, I don't think I really went over seven miles just because I went from such a drastic, like the marathon training to like three times, 30 minutes a week. Um, I, there was really no point for me to get up, nor did I like feel quite getting too high up in mileage, but, um, yeah, so I uh, 
made it my I'm trying to think I'm almost forgetting what you asked me already <laughs> um so yeah I ran that oh like it, did you yeah I think you did like one of the virtual I don't know if there was a virtual 10k oh, yeah, so like maybe in, yep, in the summer that you did dog. I remember that was like right before my belly started coming and I started seeing my belly somewhere in the early 20s so somewhere around like 20-ish weeks I did the 10k okay. I think I did another one after that and then I kind of stuck around the five mile range for most of the um, second trimester three to five miles just kind of was my sweet spot during the second trimester Um, and I do remember at um, when I was around like 22 or 23 weeks I did um, start having just like some cramping and stuff Um, and so I did get concerned Mm -hmm. about that I contacted my Mm -hmm. healthcare provider um and honestly, I just ended up needing to wear a belt. Um, my pain was coming from just like too much pressure. And so I started wearing a support belt um, and that got me to 32 weeks. Um, and then at 32 weeks, uh, and, and I say this, my mileage just kind of slowly started to decrease as I went, but I think I still ran a five mile sometime around 30 weeks. Um, but at 32 weeks, I started just having like pelvic pain where I had hard time walking in the evening, like it, it hurt to walk on my pelvis. And so running long enough, I knew that wasn't normal. So I gave it a few more runs. And then I talked to my doctor and we just decided like, it's just time to be done. Um, that's pain could cause me issues down the road more permanently. So um, I ran to the point of when it my body was okay with it. Um, I had the belts and at 32 weeks, I was done and I switched to the elliptical. So Right. Yeah. I love how you brought up the the pelvic pain because I think that is a sign that, you know, it's time to kind of wind things down if you're if you're getting um, like almost like a pain. Right. So I think a lot of running during pregnancy, there's like just it's not as comfortable, in my opinion, at all the entire time. I just felt like I just didn't ever really feel like myself when I'm pregnant to begin with. And running it was it was a lot more challenging um like in every way like breathing felt harder paces felt harder I felt very out of shape I didn't really feel like a natural my stride changed and running wasn't like as fun for me as it normally is um but then when you were talking about getting that that pelvic pain um that is definitely like that sign where you're like whoa um and it's not even necessarily you know, like you're endangering the baby. It's like you only get one body. And so you don't want to do permanent damage to your own body because, you know, in a couple of months from now, when the baby is here and you're cleared to run again, um, it's just not going to be worth any sort of damage that maybe you did when you were pregnant and all of the weight of, you know, the baby on your ligaments as you get bigger and bigger it causes a lot of stress on the pelvic floor and all of the muscles and joints and bones connected to that area. And I think it's really common to get that pelvic pain. And I know around, I think it was like 35 weeks with my first, this is like four years ago now. Um, I like got back from a run. It was only two miles with my dog and I couldn't like, I literally could not walk after, um, my dad had to like go buy me crutches at CVS and yeah, I was on crutches for over a week because 
the ligaments and my dog kind of like pulled me because she like saw a squirrel on the run but it's just like a little jerking completely threw all my back and all of the hormones that are going on it's just super important during that third trimester especially as you're getting bigger to like listen your body scale back and don't try to be a hero so was it hard for you to kind of just yeah I mean I wanted to get a little bit further you know of course I want to be like oh I made it to you know each week I'd be like we'll get to like the next two so if it's 32 I want to get to 34 or 36 I don't know why for some reason I didn't want the odd numbers but I kept like wanting to get to the (laughs) next one but at that point I think too I mean I wanted to because I was really enjoying it I would get up before my husband we would go together in the mornings at like five because it was before it got warm and so we were like in a really good just like schedule and it was nice but um I just knew it was time to be done and so it it was hard but at the same time I was glad I was like on the elliptical so I was still exercising I just replaced it with something that was better fit for my body so I didn't just suddenly stop um and I think that really helped with the transition from being like oh because at one point I was like I'm done for the next four months. Like I've never taken that much time off in my whole life. So that was shocking. So having something else. So if people can find a different way to stay active, that helped. I also started like walking five Ks because the walking was okay up to a five K. So I just tried to like replace the running motion with something else that was not that it was that impact of hitting my pelvis and hitting my back um, and carrying a lower baby that just, was too much. So, um, yeah, I was just glad to have something else. Um, and I'm looking back now too. I'm really glad I had the self-control because as you know, as a runner, like we want to, a lot of us just want to push and do the next thing. And it, I'm also that way. So I'm just like really glad I stopped when I stopped and I didn't push through cause I did deal with some pelvic stuff after. So, um, yeah. So if anyone's like struggling with knowing, should I stop? If you know, it's a pain that's not normal to your body. And it's that low aching bone pain, like, you know, that's not healthy. And so yeah. I'm just glad that I did and then replaced it with something else. Right. No, that's so important to hear. And I do think as runners, we do have that um, like mindset of, oh, like just push through it. It's not that big of a deal. But for things like this, when it comes to your pelvic floor, it's you know, it is kind of a big deal, especially because it's something that's with you forever. And I think during my first pregnancy, I do remember around like 26, 27, 28 weeks, um, I was still doing kind of longer runs at that point. And there was one run I specifically remember coming back from, and I tried to like, I was trying to take off my, my pants or my shorts or whatever I was wearing. And I couldn't lift like one leg at a time. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Like, why are my like legs so sore? Why is this happening? But later on postpartum with him, I realized that that's actually like a pelvic floor uh, muscle. Like it was just getting so fatigued um, and the wear and tear of going for so long, Um, and unfortunately, like I, you know, I had to go to PT, I had to kind of work on learning how to relax my pelvic floor because I ended up having kind of like a chronically tight pelvic floor and like almost too strong where I needed to learn how to relax it. Um, and that's something that a lot of runners actually do have. I mean, in 
runners could go either way. Right. But I do think some people do have that chronic tightness and, and when you're, you're running, it's like, you're locking up that pelvic floor and it's like so much pounding and it's just a lot on your body. So I think just being careful with yourself and being kind to your body. I know as runners, we like to push through pain, but there are certain like discomforts and pains that just aren't worth pushing through. And I think earring on the side of caution is especially important in the later um, stages of pregnancy for sure. And I know you mentioned um, strength training earlier. So is that something that you continue to incorporate? And as a personal trainer, um, what sort of benefits are there to strength training yeah, during um, pregnancy? I'm glad I, I'm really glad I did the strength training. Um, I did that up until the week of my inducement. Then I was like, well, as a trainer, I know I should probably rest this week because you know, I'm going to have a baby. It's going to be kind of a big deal <laughs> since I knew the date. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but yeah, so, and, and that's yeah. something too, and we'll talk later postpartum wise, but I'm really glad I did that because you're going to be taking that time off and so that's just gonna as much as you can pound through the running um just for like labor and delivery it's good to have those muscles strong but also like that recovery process um just like anyone before any type of surgery wants to do a lot of strength training because there's gonna be time where your muscles are just gonna rest um and so just yeah from a perspective mm -hmm. of a strength trainer um, or a personal trainer um it's just going to help you all around. It's going to prepare those areas that are going to take a break and just how much you find out how much you get up or down or you lift a baby. Like you use a lot of muscle. Like I just remember being on a lifting, I had a C-section, so I had a lifting restriction afterwards. Um, and it's just amazing. Like how much when just you're so used to getting yourself up and down and being completely mobile and suddenly like everything changes. Um, and so the more that you can prepare before you have a baby is just going to help with your overall recovery and just caring for a baby or for like you chasing a toddler around. Um, you do want those muscles going into it. Running is great. It's your cardio strength, um, but it is different than doing your strength training. So um, I'm glad I did that at least two times a week, if not three times a week, like I said, up until I had um, my baby. So um, and that's one thing I always could do with the pelvic pain there are things you want to be aware of you want to be careful like the one leg stuff so one leg squats that isn't like you kind of mentioned you felt some pain when you um would stand on one side I know toward the end you want to be careful not to do yep. too much of like one-legged stuff um just because it's a lot of pressure on um the way your your pelvis is going to tilt and stuff so um then there's different you could go into more detail but um yeah you're just going to feel that difference especially if you're going to have any um pelvic strengthening when you're done um but yeah I'm just glad I I did that um it really helped with the overall recovery and labor part um, I'm sure you could probably say that too <laughs> yeah totally and I love how you have the personal training background so you're talking about all these benefits of strength training and I'm just like yes 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 but, you know, if you were to be telling me this four years ago, like while I was just uh, finding out I was pregnant with my first, I would have been like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's so important. And, you know, I think if you haven't been strength training, I do think pregnancy is an okay time to incorporate doing like even small movements. And I know one guide that's really popular is the expecting and empowered guide. Um, and it's created mm -hmm. by a personal trainer and 
a pelvic floor physical therapist. And it's literally like for beginners, for people during pregnancy. And it's just so important. And I know earlier we kind of said, you know, don't introduce anything new, but this is like more of specific strength to your pelvic floor. And it's something that you can gradually incorporate into um, your training at just a basic level. And I really undervalued how important strength was in my early 20s and during my first pregnancy. And, you know, you think you're invincible, you think you can get away with it. But then when you go through the whole pregnancy and postpartum period and your body just goes through these rapid changes, um, you kind of those imbalances that were maybe okay before just get exacerbated and you have to rehab your body and get back to health. And so um, for all the neglect that I did during that first pregnancy, I had to kind of go through physical therapy, regain strength and address issues for, I mean, nothing was even seriously wrong with me. And so I was really fortunate, right? Like I didn't have any leaking or like any sort of serious pelvic floor dysfunction. It's just more, I had lingering pain after workouts, like I would have hip pain and it was not fun. Like who wants to be nine months postpartum and get hip pain after mm -hmm. doing a workout? Like no one wants that. Right. Um, so I just think even in the minor way that I was kind of affected by this, I just think, wow, like if I was affected by it like this, imagine if it would have been a real big problem, that would have been really hard. So I think just understanding that the value of strength training is so important and definitely being the advocate yeah, and to there add for to strength that, training for um, sure. Being aware that it, it'll change as you go too. Um, I started in the first trimester like doing barbell deadlifts and squats still and all that stuff. Um, and then by the mm -hmm. end, like second trimester is kind of in the middle, you know, don't lay on your back type of stuff. Um, and then by third trimester, I was strength training, but it also was like, preparing those muscles for labor so like and that's where you know expected empowered or something like you know if you need help finding you know somewhere to get some of those specific um exercises but like being okay with it changing you know like you're not going to hit your prs in the third trimester um but just you know changing to what your body needs and at the same time like covid halfway through i stopped going to the gym and the, I've had gym access my whole life, like being a trainer and working at a gym. I've always had a free gym membership, basically. And so I don't have like any equipment at home. Um, and I'm slowly getting more now. But um, during that time, I had, I think, one kettlebell and one resistance band and a chair to do step ups on. Um, and I was still able to do a total body workout for my pregnancy. So it doesn't need to be like you have to have all the equipment in the world to incorporate strength training. Um, there's so much you can do with body weights or a simple thing of resistance bands. Um, but it'll be really beneficial even if you just do, like I said, enough body weight stuff. A couple, it's, and it's only two, you know, two times a week and you would get the benefit of that if you just add that in in pregnancy and then into postpartum. Right. And I love how you added that there are so many things that you can do at home. Like you said, you're used to having a gym membership. And I think even still a lot of us are either just not back at the gym uh, for personal reasons, or you don't want to go back to masks, all those sort of things. Um, or they're just straight up closed still. And so I think, you know, just being an advocate for having like a little at home gym, you don't even need any equipment really. Um, doing even a prenatal yoga as a starting point, that in and of itself goes a long way. And with my first, I somehow, I don't have no idea how I was able to have 
um, a delivery without any sort of pain meds. And I literally think it's because I went to prenatal yoga and everything that we did in that class was just focused on relaxing the pelvic floor, focused on relaxing your mind and all of those things. And I just kind of thought it was like, woo woo. And it, it wasn't really doing anything because I'm used to running, right? Like I'm used to really intense stuff. So I thought, okay, what is sitting in you know, this turtle yoga pose for five minutes going to do for my body, but it's a different type of work and your body benefits from, you know, different forms of exercise. And I think pregnancy is definitely a time for, you know, doing the strength training, doing the prenatal yoga, all yeah, of those yoga, sort of both of them things. Are so good. so <laughs> yes. Did you do, you yoga know, I've been doing it postpartum and I really wish I would have done it um, before. So that's one thing I definitely regret doing. And there's so many resources online if you need, you know, doing stuff from home um, because I did have, I've, just finished up some PT because I was like super tight. Um, and I wish I would have just worked on relaxing a little bit more. And that helps a lot with the yoga. So it has a lot of benefit mm-hmm. to and work on your core. And, um, you know, those videos and stuff are going to help you with doing it safely, of course. Um, but so much benefit to doing yoga beforehand, even if it's just once a week. Yes, definitely. I love how you talked about how you're doing it even now postpartum, because I think, you know, as after your body goes through like the trauma of childbirth, regardless of like how you you give birth, right, C-section, vaginal, whatever, um, I do think it's important to have those yoga practices in place so that you can learn how to relax the muscles and just to have that mind-body connection, all of those sort of things going on. So as we dive into more of like the postpartum phase, as you kind of touched a little bit on these things, um, I know that you did mention that you think that um, staying active during your pregnancy helps with labor and delivery. Um, Was it kind of like what you expected in terms of recovery? And did you think it maybe would have was like an easier recovery than it would have been if you were inactive or what are your thoughts on that? My labor and delivery, we'll just say was, was really tough as 48 hours. Um, So I got hit really hard to the point that I'm not, my mom always tells me because I'm active. She's like, that was the first time Brianna could barely walk like a quarter mile, (laughs) you know? And so like, it was a big shock to my body. Um, But I do really think like I was surprised for how incredibly sore and like, in a tough spot I was right away, um, how fast I was able to recover. And I do think that has all to do with being active beforehand, because I know a lot of people that, and I know it's different per pregnancy and how it goes, but I do think I did recover faster than a lot of people just because I stayed active beforehand and did the strength training. Um, because for how, how rough I was right afterwards, like I did, I, I got better, like, or healed up much faster than I would expect. And I feel like I made like a, a full recovery from it too. Right. No, that's so good to hear. And I know my chiropractor, he once mentioned something like, it's not that, you know, you're like superhuman or anything. It's that your body is used to going through like micro traumas every time you work out. And so it's used to going in and repairing muscle right away. So, you know, as athletes or as someone who's really active, your body just might be a little bit more efficient at repairing muscle damage or like tissue damage. And so he said that because you, you run so much or because you're active like consecutive days in a row, 
that that helps aid in the recovery process. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, and I just thought that was like a cool way to, to look at things. So it's like your body is just, just maybe more efficient because you are active. It's not necessarily that running means labor is easier for you, right? Because didn't you kind of feel like your labor um, was maybe like challenging? Because I can go into my <laughs> details of my labor too, but were you kind of surprised at, how your yeah, labor I mean, was I think running really helped my mindset because <laughs> I had this whole envision like we had done kind of a um a natural birth class and like I was not gonna have an epidural and like I really wanted to I just planned on having a normal mm-hmm. vaginal birth and all this stuff um and then I got a call that I was gonna be induced like the next day and then that turned into Pitocin for 30 hours and a 48 hour labor that ended in a C-section, which gave me, got me extremely sick, which <laughs> like, it just, it was a lot more than I expected. Um, and so I just feel like, I think just that running mindset, like I, I had gone into it. I know it sounds cliche, but being like, okay, you know, half marathon or marathon, like it takes time, like just take this per segment. And I do think that really helped because, you know, just nothing went, I said, I planned for um, an unmedicated birth and I probably had the most medicated birth I could have possibly had. Like, I feel like they pulled everything out of the book to try to get this baby out and then he still wouldn't come. So, you know, he came out with C-section. But yeah, I think just the running helped with that and just the recovery because my body did go through a lot just through all the types of interventions that they had to do. So. Yeah, totally. And I think your birth experience is so common. And, you know, with my first, it's like, oh, everything kind of went smoothly. It was like a natural delivery. I mean, I, I did have a prolonged pushing period. Like I, I just, you know, but I thought, okay, second time around, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's going to be even quicker, right? Because that's what, that's what they say. And uh, no, <laughs> I mean, like I was in labor for, or being induced for over 30 hours. Um, so I definitely can relate to like the, just the Pitocin and like wanting all the drugs and all that stuff. Um, but everyone says like when you're pregnant and you're exercising, I think they say with good intention, like, oh, this is going to help so much with labor and delivery. And I felt really frustrated by that when I was in labor and delivery, because it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And I was like, this is nothing like running. This is nothing like running a marathon. Like I wanted to cry. Like it was so painful. And I'm not trying to like scare anyone, but I just want people to understand that. Like, I don't like it. So you my run doesn't mean that like labor mind, and delivery is going to be breeze. You have this pain that kind of distracts you. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But I do think the mental part, how you said you like break it up. Like, yeah, I, I definitely took that like runner's mindset to it. Like you can do hard things. And, and I liked how they kind of checked your dilation and I would like kind of compare it to mile markers or whatever. Um, so there's definitely like that translation there, but I don't want anyone to like go into, you know, their birth and think like it's going to be a breeze. Right. Cause I think no matter how prepared you are, I think, I don't think you'll find anyone out there that would honestly say, oh, yeah, like labor was super easy and so was delivery, especially if they're, you know, within the first couple of years mm-hmm. postpartum. And everyone they can clearly remember it. Like a race is going to be different for someone. Like you just have to be flexible with it and know at the time, like you will get back to running, but there's a recovery period for a reason. And, 
you know, you just have to go and go with the flow because your, your baby's coming, how your baby's going to come. Um, and thank goodness there's healthcare, but you know, it's, it's just going to happen how it will and you'll get back to it, but you just have to kind of just take it. I don't know, contraction by contraction and just know Trust that the you process get back to normal right? because I know it was like, <laughs> I'm really glad the nurse warned me because I thought, okay, I have my C-section, like you're going to start feeling your legs in the morning because I had the epidural for the C-section and I was like, okay. And then she warned me, okay, mm-hmm. actually at 24 hours, your anesthesia and everything will come off. And I thought it had already come off and I'm really glad she warned me that because I like kind of had a breakdown at like middle of the second night because I I couldn't get myself out of bed. I could not do a thing on my own. And it was just like, I've never, I've never had surgery Mm. before. And so I was like, I can't do anything. Like, I just remember just crying. It's like, I think my hormones crashed too. I just lost it on my husband. I'm like, this is like really horrible. I can't get up. And just reminding me like, things will get better. And so I just know like, it might seem like, I'm right here. I just had a baby. It was really hard. You will get back to your normal self. Um, and just taking, I remember someone told me like, take it day by day, especially that first week in recovery, like it will get better. And you just have to focus on like the positive of what happened and or, of each day. And so I'm just glad she, my friend reminded me of that. And my husband just said, no, just take a second. Like I can help you. Um, it's just, you know, you just have to be okay with like, this is a big experience for your body and allow it to recover and just take it day by day. Just like if you were to have an injury running, like you can't rush the recovery process or you're going to go back 10 steps. Like just take it. Even if it's a physical and a mental breakdown for me, like I had both, you know, it just, it was a big experience. Like it was 48 hours of like pain. <laughs> and so I just needed like a moment. I had been strong the whole time, but I just like had my moment. And so anyways, it just, it got better from there and just focusing on each day. Cause it's a big experience for your body. If it's your first baby or your fifth baby. Yes, definitely. And I think that just ties into um, why they say to take, you know, between four to eight weeks off, depending on how your delivery is, they're they're very strict, like pelvic rest, that means no running, um, no strenuous exercise, yada, yada, all that stuff. Um, before I had kids, I was like, why do you have to take six weeks off? Like, I didn't really get it. I was like, yeah, I get it. Like you give birth, but I didn't get it at the level of like, oh my gosh, and you have a C-section, I have no idea, like, how difficult that is. Even from, like, a vaginal birth perspective, like, I remember standing up the first time, like, after giving birth, each time, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's, it's like, almost like you've never walked in your life before. It's, it's a huge, like, and, and you can't even, like, walk yourself to the bathroom, like, people are assisting you, and I'm like, I thought this was a natural delivery, I thought I was supposed to bounce back, like, why am I not able to walk, <laughs> you know, it's like, what's happening, um, so it, it can be a little intimidating those first couple of days, for sure, and I think, even with my second, I felt like I recovered a lot faster. And I say that in quotations, it's like I went on, I went on a 0.5 mile walk, when I was five days postpartum, and I was like, Hey, like, this is pretty, this is pretty good recovery. Um, so I think sometimes just managing those expectations and understanding, like, it's a huge stress on your body. And that's why 
you know, doctors are not giving you clearance probably to work out for um, quite a bit until you're really fully recovered. And I know they kind of say that standard uh, is the six weeks or whatever. Um, so when it comes to your, your comeback, um, how did your recovery come back? And like, when did you start running? When did your doctor yeah, so say you could I start running? I made a goal every day, um, basically once the anesthesia wore off, um, to try to walk each day. Now that might've been two laps around the labor and delivery unit, um, or eventually walking to the mailbox and back every day, just got mm-hmm. a little bit further. So I just tried, I think just for physical, but also mental, like just walking, like I said, if it was walking like you know a quarter mile like that was my goal for the day um so starting small kind of on the comeback um doing the walking I was cleared at six weeks um to start exercising um however and we'll maybe go over this later I had actually at my six-week appointment it was good timing I also was dealing with a fever from mastitis really bad um and so I didn't quite start, actually, I didn't start running after six weeks because I needed to get that healed up. Um, and then you're on antibiotics and it affects your supply. So I ended up starting running at seven and a half weeks. Um, and I started with run walk. Um, and I was really glad I did it that way. Um, I felt fine to start. I mean, some people say, and it's totally fine. They start at 12 weeks. I felt like my body was ready at seven and a half weeks like that's just what felt normal but I didn't just like go out and run for a half hour um I'm not just gonna take my body from not out for like two months to going and running a half hour so I started with um running for two minutes and walking for one minute at like 11 minute pace or something like that on the treadmill um and I just started there you know I think the next week I bumped it up to doing three minute intervals to five minute but I within by the first month I was back to running for a half hour, but, um, I just kind of slowly listened to my body. I also, for someone who's had a C-section, I listened to my incision. Um, if I were to feel my incision, I shouldn't be feeling it. Mm -hmm. And so I would either have to walk or I would have to slow up my pace a little bit. So I'm really glad I did that because I've had like zero complications with my incision at all. Um, so I just had to kind of take it and listen to how my body feeling, but more how the incision site um, was and how my pelvis felt and stuff like that. So I don't know how it was for you, but that's kind of, I just had to listen and check in with my body and was able to get back to running at least. I think it was a half hour straight within the first month. So. Yeah, no, I think that approach is the way to go with the the run walks and waiting until, you know, you get cleared and even waiting until you personally feel comfortable. I know you chat a little bit how you had mastitis, but I know sometimes when you go into that six week postpartum checkup, you know, they're, they're clearing you for everything. They're, they're I know, like, I was like, Whoa. you're ready to go. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, I'm ready. Excuse me. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm not though. Um, so I think it's important to also like take into consideration, like if you feel ready. Right. So just because like your doctor cleared your run doesn't mean like you have to start. Right. Um, and just taking those things into consideration when you start back up, I always started back with, um, like run walks. It was basically like, I would be walking and then I'd be like, Oh, I wonder like what a jog would feel like in here. Um, and I was always kind of like bad. I like didn't, didn't follow the rules. I don't want to like, 
tell people to like go do this but knowing your body being like, transparent be able to start transparency weeks, I... but especially if it's your first right time, i would listen probably to your doctor and just like yeah. you don't know what might happen no yet, so, um right. and it might be sooner on the next one but um <laughs> i think it just has to do it like just like pregnancy you just have to listen to your body and know, totally like, what feels okay do you feel sharp pains in your incision okay that's probably not something you should do um just kind of feel it out and you know it is a big adjustment to become a parent too so if you're just like mentally not there yet too like don't pressure yourself into stressing out and adding something you're not ready for so I think that was a part just with getting overwhelmed like I said with having mastitis again like I was like I need a couple weeks yet like (laughs) I just can't imagine adding something in but then when I was ready like I was ready to be back and be in a routine um and for me too as maybe other people I also didn't do back-to-back days of running just to kind of like give my body some time to adjust to just like three days a week yes and then you know I had a fourth and a fifth day in so Yeah, that's super important to do the the every other day. It's a lot less stress on your pelvic floor, gives your body time to recover in between. So starting with the run walks, starting with every other day um, is basically like the key to success. And I know for some runners, probably like myself, um, it's just uh, running is like an outlet for a lot of people. And so for me, it was really hard to go um, for so long postpartum without running. And so one of the things that like I would try to do is replace it, you know, with those daily walks. I know you kind of talked about how you did more walking. And so in the meantime, like when you're waiting to get the clearance to run um, safely, it would be doing walks or doing like a meditation or a yoga. Or sometimes for me, it was even just like getting out of the house and going on a drive and like <laughs> listening to music. And I would like pretend I was Listen running. To your like as I'm driving, games. I'm like, this is kind of like running, <laughs> you know, like, right, exactly. It was like, at least I got out of the house. I got some like windows rolled down fresh air sort of thing so there are ways I know it's definitely a challenging period for a lot of people especially because you're adjusting to life with a newborn sleep deprivation all of those things so I know another really big topic and you talked about this a little bit already is the whole breastfeeding while running and I know that you had two bouts of mastitis so is there any like lessons that you learned yeah, there I'm... or <laughs> tips you wanted to share I mean there's a there's a lot to it but I mean, I think a big thing is remembering. So I actually, um, one of the times I got it is I wanted to go, well, at six weeks, I went on a six mile hike that was kind of intense. So I in a really hilly area and, and I carried the baby harness the whole way. Um, and that it was too much compression, especially wow. so the first, um, like two to three months you're on like a hormonal base and so you kind of have an oversupply and so that's why you're more susceptible to mastitis you go to more of a supply and demand after three months and that's why like if people feel less full and stuff like that there is a change that happens so up until then you're more likely because of that pressure um and so I didn't realize like okay I was like don't wear a sports bra like too tight or something but I didn't realize like having the baby harness against me for, you know, two hours, like that's a lot of pressure and that's going to leave you more susceptible to like clogged ducts and stuff like that. So just be aware of like, if you have a tighter bra on, or if you have the baby harness on for a long time, like too much pressure, or I know people, if they went for like a long massage on their chest as well, anytime where you're putting a lot of pressure against there you just have to be aware and some people are just more prone to depending if you like you know make more fatty milk and stuff like that are more prone to getting mastitis 
Uh, so, um, I just, yeah, I learned a lot about like how much pressure is on and being aware of that harness. Um, and that was pretty much my main issues. And then I also started taking that, like, I never can say it right, but like sunflower, lectin, yeah. And that did help a lot. And I still do take that. So, um, yeah, (laughs) just some of those things and yeah, being aware of just how much pressure is on you and, um, just making sure when you're feeding that, like, you know, you're fully emptying and stuff like that. There's more to it, but um, I think the main thing was just being careful as me wanting to like push, push, push and get out. And I was like, great, I can have 10 pounds of resistance, but I'm still walking and not running yet. Um, well, that just led to something else. So um, just being careful with the pressure and stuff like that. Wow. <gasps> yeah, mastitis is one of like my greatest fears and I've never had it. So like knock on wood. But one of the biggest tips that people were, like, freaking out and telling me about before I even had a kid was, like, you have to pump before you run. You have to pump before you run. And so I was always, like, okay, I have to, like, pump. I have to, like, get all the milk out. And so I just got a habit of, like, I have to get everything out before I ever exercise. And then I almost, like, got in the habit of, like, I always have to get all of the milk out, like, before I go to bed or before I, like, leave the house for a long period of time. So you never want to, like, leave uh, – the milk maker's too full for too long and, and getting those clogs, um, that can be scary. And I feel like that's kind of what leads to mastitis. I know with my first, I had quite a few clogs where I was like panicking and you're sitting there like massaging it out for a long time. And you had a fever, but you weren't that you were able to like stop mastitis within that hour or two of it coming on. Yeah. And I surprised say, and maybe, you know, I don't even know if I checked the fever. I would get these like really bad chills and aches in my leg. So maybe, maybe I didn't actually get the fever yet, but you could like tell it was coming on. Um, and then I knew I had like, you know, hours to get it out. So I would like always start in my legs and work its way up, um, before. And if I didn't get it out, then it did turn into, um, mastitis. So, um, yeah, just, I was just saying, so always make sure you take care of those as soon as you can, because you are more prone with exercise just because of the sports bra and stuff. And, you know, you want support, but you also like don't want to have too much compression. Um, and then when you're done, like every time still to say when I'm done, like I take my sports bra off right away, um, just because there's no need for that extra compression, because you're as long as you are still pumping or nursing, like you're still more prone to it. Um, so just make a habit of, okay, you pump or nurse beforehand and then just make sure the sports bra comes off right after and you'll help yourself out a lot um, to hopefully not end up with any clogged ducts. Totally. And it's weird that you mentioned about the, the fever or the chills. I think it was Christmas Eve. I experienced literally exactly what you're saying. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting mastitis. I have mastitis. And I had called in to get a prescription. It was like so last minute. I'm like, gosh, I better get it before Christmas because I'm going to like die if I don't get like the medicine in me right away. Right. Because I've heard horrible things about mastitis, but I'm glad I wasn't crazy because I never had to take the prescription because like I just was pumped. I pumped for like two hours straight and then I started to feel better. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, was that in my head? (laughs) But no, it can happen. And like if you pump or just like, nurse constantly like yeah that is the best thing to get it out I've also like used a haka in the shower because like warm water melts fat and it's basically fat that's clogged so if you're in there and you massage while standing in a hot shower you could use your water for 30 minutes but um, that will help you 
to try to get it out as well. Um, because you can, at least for me and my experience, I was able to reverse it a couple times before like the full infection set in. Uh, but then there's a couple times that I couldn't. So um, just doing everything that you can to hopefully not get it because you're not going crazy that you could um, start to feel it come on and then be able to reverse it in time. But if you do get the infection, you're fevered and you're sweating and all that, and you know you feel like you have the flu, then you need to go to the doctor. Because um, you can also, I think, get like an abscess or something, mm-hmm. even worse from it if you don't ever take care of it. But the nice thing is like when I did get the antibiotics, I was feeling better within hours. So it is a nice thing. Like once you do get it, you will start to feel a lot better. It doesn't take like two days to kick in. Like it happens. Like if I took it that evening, I'm feeling better by, you know, later that night or the next morning. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good to hear about the antibiotics kicking in pretty fast. I've I've heard um, similar things from people, but sometimes it can still take a a few days for you to fully recuperate because I know Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a huge... but at least you don't feel like death anymore. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you have like the full out flu with a baby. It's it's long. <laughs> so, yeah. But you'll feel that... good. And I had to be careful too, because like I said, the reason I waited to get back to running is like the antibiotics did for at least me both times affect my supply, and so I just needed to like pump or nurse as much as I could just to make sure I could take care of my baby first and then get back to my routine but I, I didn't start until uh, running until that had cleared up it took about a week because the antibiotics did kind of and it's probably the mastitis but played like a negative effect on my supply a little bit but it did go back to normal so if you are going through that like just give it a little bit of time um it takes a week or so of your body to fight the infection and get the antibiotics out Definitely. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I know, you know, talking about the milk supply and stuff, that's a big concern for women. Um, I get asked that question all the time in terms of, uh, like, will exercise affect my milk supply? And I was exclusively pumping or nursing, um, or not nursing, I was, I like to say, breastfeeding, but I wasn't really breastfeeding. I was just exclusively pumping with my first and I trained for the Boston Marathon. So I did have, you know, the same supply that he was eating while I was marathon training. And people would always ask, like, how do you maintain your supply while running, you know, high mileage or training for a marathon and all that sort of thing. Um, And I just never, like, I don't really know. (laughs) I mean, I just think that keeping up with the feedings is super important. Um, Maybe you have a little bit more insight there than I do. I mean, I just know the big, I mean, the biggest thing is supply and demand. And for me, it's also hydration. Um, If I'm dehydrated, then I do struggle with my supply a little bit. Um, And so I, and that has been for me, I have to be careful on my long runs, but what I found that actually helps like that, um, what is it? The body armor drink. I have one of those after that actually helps with like the hydration. Um, But I've just found as long as I hydrate, I mean, I also need to eat a lot, but I like food. So I tend to have no issue like (laughs) eating enough, I guess. Um, Yeah. But the main thing I've noticed more, and I've heard this from other people is like making sure you stay hydrated because think about like each time you're, you're giving the baby their hydration, which comes through the milk. So it's not, I mean, you are eating for two, but you're drinking for two. Like there are two people that you're, you're giving hydration to. So as long as I keep up with hydration and I also have to make sure like I take water breaks sometimes during my long runs, um, just to make sure I'm not like 
you can speak more to it because I'm not like super high on the mileage yet, but as long as I've kept up with hydration and then make sure afterwards I get um, some protein and get um, electrolytes and all that going, then I seem to be fine. Uh, But when I am dehydrated, uh, it does, that's the one time it puts a negative effect. Um, So I just have to make sure I've just learned that just make sure I hydrate. I have this like ridiculously big it's called bubba it's like a person in our house i feel like but it's this really big like water (laughs) container it's like super size so i just always have that with me and i don't wait until my runs to hydrate because then it's almost like too late i just make a habit of always having water on me um yeah and i tend to be fine (laughs) totally and i had a laugh at the food thing because i'm the same way i'm like i nutrition is never like an issue for me because i know i have no problem getting in calories i'm like i can get them any which way like i know that that's not an issue um definitely not but uh and then and then a lot of people ask about like oh like if you lose weight really quickly postpartum like your most probably will drop and I think during pregnancy, it's like you gain weight and some of that weight gain is for your milk production and it kind of goes into that, like maybe you have a little bit of extra fat storages, whatnot. Um, like, like during my pregnancies, I think I gained between 40 to 50 pounds, which is more than the recommended, um, but I'm, I'm pretty lean when I'm not um, when I'm not like pregnant or breastfeeding. And so I think my body was just like, Whoa, like you need to put on a little bit more Mm -hmm. weight. Right. And so even now, like running 50 miles a week, I'm still about between like five and 10 pounds heavier than what I am during, you know, like peak marathon training when I'm not breastfeeding. And so I think, you know, there's that whole aspect to it is making sure there's enough body fat there. There's enough nutrition there, um, is, is key. So maybe that's part of why my supplies usually never, um, like, uh, an issue. Did you ever have any sort of issues with like you losing weight postpartum and your supply or not really? Um, you know, that's one thing I thought like, okay, well, you know, at first you're going to breastfeed and all this weight's going to come off and it does <laughs> not quite come off as fast <laughs> as I thought, but it it is coming off. I think I still have like five or 10 pounds from before, but I also feel like your body, as long as you're eating the right amount, like your body does what it needs to do. And so like me, I've got a little bit, you know, more I'm not as lean as you and so I gained 25 pounds and I was pregnant but that's probably exactly what my body needed to gain so I feel like your body if you're eating normal will do what it needs to and same like it's it's coming down but it's not like it drastically like maybe dropped off like I thought it would at first um but now with introducing like more of the strength training and I think my body's like having it come off too at a healthy level and probably until I don't know for sure I haven't been there yet until I stop breastfeeding that weight might still linger a little bit until I'm able to you know maybe not have to eat as much as I feel like I have to right now um, <laughs> with breastfeeding and running so um, right. but it's coming off I just feel like it's coming off at like a, a like consistent slow level that's like good for me and for baby if that makes sense so no totally I, I know exactly what you mean I feel like once I weaned with my first it was like oh like there go well there goes my chest but there also goes like you know <laughs> two pounds of milk weight or whatever um, yeah for sure and then I never like felt that hungry anymore I was like oh this is kind of what being normal feels like I, for- I forgot what it was like yeah, especially when you come from being pregnant where you're eating extra right. and then you're breastfeeding it's like almost like two years of just like 
exactly. eating for someone else so you're because sometimes i'm like oh boy i'm starving like i'm gonna go get some food real quick um, totally yeah that's exactly how i i feel definitely for sure it's not as bad breastfeeding i don't think as when i'm pregnant but i've heard women say that they're more hungry when they're breastfeeding than when they are pregnant but it's definitely a toll on the body but that is not to say that you can't you know go after your goals and lose you know weight or train for a marathon those things while you're breastfeeding it's just like such a juggle and for me i think the biggest thing is just finding the time to manage it all because breastfeeding is like a huge amount of time um like were you surprised by how much time that it, it takes up yeah i thought it was just like oh it's you know it's just gonna naturally happen and you'll feed your baby you know probably four times a day or so like i really had nothing i was really clueless going into this <laughs> i just thought oh you feed him whatever move on uh but yeah it's like once your baby's born it's from like when you start two to three hours to when you start again and like around the clock of doing that especially in the beginning like they take they can take 45 minutes to eat like well, now he's older, so I, it takes like 10 minutes. But like in the beginning, it's hard. Like you, you're feeding them and then, you know, you might do a diaper change. They fall asleep. Well, if it took you 45 minutes to eat and they're hungry again at the two hour mark, like you barely get any time before you start over again. So um, and I had to start with exclusively pumping for a little bit. So if you're pumping and then you have to feed on the bottle and then you get a little time off and then you start it all over again, like all day long. So um it is like for me i'm sure you are the same way like it's it's a big time commitment so um now don't yeah. be alarmed if you see me pumping or feeding while i'm working so <laughs> Gosh, I should say, probably not um nursing but when i i pump once a day i feel like i'm usually working since <laughs> it could use a time to multitask so oh yeah all the time that that's what i that's how i pump it's like i have to be working just because it is a good use of time and mm -hmm. um it, it is really time consuming right and so i think some of the the factors of oh like how can you marathon train and breastfeed i think part of that is like a time management thing is like like you were saying you know if it takes the baby 45 minutes to eat and then they have to eat 75 minutes later it's like well when are you going to ever run if that's around the clock um and you have to time like, it with right after they eat right so you can go it's a lot of logistics <laughs> right and so if you're sitting there thinking okay i have to get a 16 mile run in like how am i going to do this um it's not really realistic or possible if you are exclusively nursing and there's not bottles involved you can't just go out for you know, a two or three hour run until the baby can go over four hours without eating. Um, but, you know, there's just so many, so many things involved with that. But um, I think that's why I pumped a little bit more with my first, not only that I, I was working also. So, you know, childcare gets involved and you, and you start pumping more and doing more bottles, but you just have to find out kind of what works for you and have realistic expectations in it and don't compare your journey to anyone else's. Because um, some moms do exclusively nurse and there are no bottles involved and that's going to look a lot different than someone that 
um, is doing exclusively pumping and they're able to leave for longer periods of time and someone's able to help with the feedings versus, you know, someone who's formula feeding, they don't even have to worry about pumping ever. Um, it's totally uh, different experiences for each person. And, you know, I, nothing against formula at all. I transitioned my first to formula um, around six or seven months completely just because I, it was just too much to, you know, juggle um, for me personally. And he actually started, like we started supplementing a little bit with formula and then he started preferring <laughs> formula to breast milk. Yeah. And rejecting breast milk. And I was like, really? Like, okay, then I'm done. Like if, it's a lot of work. Want... Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah, I thought this conversation was really good and it's good to hear your perspective as a coach. I know we had a little bit of different experiences, um, postpartum or even with like our deliveries. And that just is a testament that everyone has different experiences. And it's good to hear that even though we're both run coaches and we've both been running for, you know, I've been running for 10 years, you've been running for 20 years, that our experiences can look totally different. And that's actually the most normal part of this whole conversation is that everyone's pregnancy is different. So do you have any last uh words to share with anyone um yeah I mean enjoy I feel like enjoy those first months too with your baby and you know take time to set your goals like I'm excited about my marathon but I'm also like really glad I didn't start it any sooner because my whole goal these first five to six months was just like to build a base and just enjoy time and knowing like being a mom I've been running for but I've never been a mom before and so um, just being patient with yourself, uh, you might be able to run a longer race sooner. Everyone's different there, but, um, yeah, just don't be too hard on yourself. Like enjoy it. Um, you know, they say it, I'm not there yet, but your babies grow fast and I can't believe my son's already almost six months and it's been really fun. And I'm glad I've just, you know, been taking the steps to build a good base and, you know, have a goal in mind for a race, but also like, just be realistic and be being flexible with like, okay, this might not go as I thought today, or, you know, I have a while to get to a certain mileage. So um, I just say, yeah, just enjoy running while pregnant if you can. Um, and also just enjoy having your baby and um, take time setting your goals. And um, yeah, just remember that like, your body has is amazing it created um, another human and you're still able to work out and um, just enjoy the gift that that is all together wow I love that yeah it's it's so true and that's something that we don't really touch on that much this podcast so it's about how it's a major life change right like you've never been a mom before or you've never been a mom of two before or three or however many kids you have and it's such an adjustment and just understanding that with each life adjustment that you're going to have whether it's you know having a family or changing a career you might have to reprioritize what running looks like for you or maybe you realize hey goals that used to excite you like aren't exciting you right now and that's totally okay and I think just being okay to have that flexibility and to allow yourself to change as a person and to let your goals change and shift is totally fine. Um, I know postpartum my first, there were some times where I was like, maybe I shouldn't be training for this marathon and I didn't let myself like give it up. But there, I really wish like if I could go back, I, I would like talk to newly postpartum Victoria from 2018 and be like, you know, you don't have to do this marathon. You have nothing to prove to anyone else. Um, if it's not exciting you, if it's more causing more stress, 
than it is good, then just don't do it, right? Like you're able to make those changes. And when you sign up for races before you even are a mom, it's kind of like, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So if you do decide postpartum that, Hey, like, I don't want to do this race anymore, or I want to do the half instead, or I want to do something else. Like that's totally fine. And no one's even going to remember except for you. So do what works for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you could never too late to change a race or stop a race and change your goals. Like it's totally fine. Totally. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of moms go through that. And it sounds like you kind of have been reflecting on similar things in your life is just readjusting goals and figuring out what works best for you and your new family with the new family members. But yeah, I feel like this podcast took longer than we anticipated. So I really appreciate your time and coming on and sharing your experiences, both as a new mom and running through your pregnancy. Um, And if anyone wants to work with Bria or myself, we would love to have a free seven day trial with you. If you visit our website, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.co, fill out the form there and you can get a chance to work with either one of us or any of our other coaches that have gone through pregnancy or postpartum. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks for tuning